Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast here on this Friday, October 23rd, 2020. Uh, a busy show today. We have several things to get to. Number one, I have some personal news about some additional work for the Locked On Podcast Network that I'm going to pick up. Uh, also, we have to get to the Nationals rehiring Kevin Long. And then we also are going to do our postseason position review for left field. So we're going to talk a little bit about Juan Soto today, but... We have done that uh, a bunch on the show, so I'm going to keep that one relatively short and just kind of talk about some, uh, you know, the narrative stuff surrounding Juan Soto and some of the things that we talked about coming into the season and some of the things that manifested themselves throughout the season for Mr. Soto uh, and, you know, how wonderful he was to watch this year. So personal announcement, Kevin Long rehiring, and then we'll get to Juan Soto and the left field position review. You are locked on Nationals. Your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's get to it here on this Friday, October 23rd on the Locked On Nationals podcast. So first off, a piece of news coming from me. I'm going to be the new host of the Locked On Big 12 podcast, the Locked On Big 12 conference podcast. I'll be covering both basketball and football and any other news that comes out from the Big 12 Conference. So I'll be joining Ross Jackson and the folks over there at the Locked On College Network. It's a growing network. And if you guys listen to this show, you guys know that I work at normally work at SiriusXM uh, as a producer for their college sports channels. Recently, it's been difficult, though, just with COVID and everything. Um, they've had to furlough me, but I've been able to get some work. But one of my true passions is really college football. And... Um, I went to the University of Missouri. Um, it was, you know, I, one of the reasons I went there was because of their sports programs. That was a school that was formerly in the Big 12. Um, you know, working for their college sports channels at SiriusXM was a real um, was a real dream of mine. Just because, you know, I, I've followed college sports all throughout college. My show, No Huddle, at, at the University of Missouri, sometimes three hours long every Saturday morning. A lot of it entailed college sports talk. Um, had guests like Paul Feinbaum on the show, Richard Johnson, um, some of the guys from Solid Verbals. So I, I had, you know, I, I had a passion for college football and college sports in general. And, um, you know, it's been a, kind of like a, a hole missing in my life, not having an outlet for somewhere to at least go and talk about some of what's going on in college football, some of what's going on in college sports. And so now the Locked On Big 12 podcast is a place for me to do that from a conference that I'm very familiar with. Um, I have extensive uh, history working with the Big 12. Uh, I work with those Big 12 station, the Big 12 station predominantly at SiriusXM. Folks like Holly Rowe from ESPN and Gabe Eichert, and um, I'm just really thrilled to be able to get kind of get back in the saddle and talk some college sports. So, the one thing you all are probably wondering is, what does this mean for the Locked On Nationals podcast? And I said this yesterday, and I'll say it again today. It does not change anything except for when the show gets released. So the quantity of the show is going to be the same. Um, the quality of the show is going to be the same. Hopefully you believe that's very high. And that is not going to change just because I picked up another podcast. Um, I've had some time just because a lot of the time I've had has been sent, spent looking for other opportunities, looking for other positions where I could fill in you know, on a part-time basis and just try to get myself back going into the, you know, uh, into the sports talk world because it's been difficult. And we've talked about this at length in this show about how people have struggled to get jobs. Think about all those minor league jobs 
that were lost as well too. Uh, you know, calling games, working the communications department, all those kinds of things. So I've been spending my time looking for something and this is something that I believe is worthwhile to pick up. But I promise to you all that it will not affect the quality or quantity of this show. The one thing you should know is that once November starts, we will be heading to an off-season type schedule. That means three times a week the show will be released. Now, with free agency beginning in uh, once the season ends and whatnot, I mean, the volume of traffic will be, it will reflect the news. So if there is a lot to talk about, you will get more than three episodes a week. If there is not a lot to talk about, uh, you know, you will still get your three episodes a week. It's just going to depend on the news cycle. Another thing I want, especially heading into the off season, is I would like you all to give me some input on what you want to have on these shows. I would love some Q&As, so I might tweet something out, at LO underscore Nationals, um, to get some content from you all, to get some questions from you all. You can follow me at Josh Neighbors as well, but what I want, guys, is your all's input. I want everybody to feel like they're a part of the show, and I want some shows that you know reflect um, what you all want to hear. And this offseason, I can tell you what we are going to do. Um, we're going to have, I'm going to have somebody on for each one of these, uh, probably Connor Jones. And he and I are going to go through each position and argue about who the best player at each position for the nationals has been in their history. So kind of your, you know, you think, always think about soccer is the best one that does this very well. Uh, your dream starting 11 or your best starting 11 from teams. We'll do the best starting nine and then we'll get create a rotation as well too for the nationals. So, uh, Connor and I will do that for a few shows as well. That one should be very fun. I'm really looking forward to that. But besides that, I really don't have a ton planned for the offseason. Obviously, I will come up with things for you all. But right now, obviously, with the, with the playoff diaries and with the, the position previews, um, that's that's taking up a lot of my time. And it's hard to be, uh, you know, get your creative juices flowing and try to think about stuff for the future when you're very dialed into the present. I mean, we've got two ongoing series on this podcast right now, and I hope you all have enjoyed them. And especially, especially the postseason position preview, or excuse me, the postseason position reviews. I know that you guys have really liked those. Um, the traffic on those has been very good. And um, the reception that they've gotten, I've, I've talked to some people as well too, uh, has been very good. So I'm glad you all are enjoying those. If you guys want some more feedback, I'd like, uh, you know, if you guys like to give me some more feedback rather, uh, please do. Please feel free to reach out and and uh, tell me what you think about the, the reviews and some of the players of those positions. But um, we have three more of those left. We've got left field. We've got starting pitching. And we have the bullpen. So those are the three positions left. We still obviously have a best of five now between the Rays and the Dodgers. So we're going to have those shows sprinkled in as well there too. So there's plenty to talk about still. At least for the next week or so, week and a half or so, we have plenty of traffic to get us to the offseason. The question is, during the offseason, what is it that you, the listener, want to hear? So, you know, once again, I want to make sure you guys know even though I'm taking that new podcast, it does not mean that this podcast will stop or slow down. Locked on Nationals uh, plugs along and chugs along. And also, too, man, you know, I think about how long we, we, you know, we've been doing this. I know I've been doing this, doing this just since January, but if I pull up right now um, how many shows we have, I'm taking a gander right now, 125, so 126 kind of the trailer, but 125 proper shows. This will be 126 since January and February. And you think about, I mean, that's not a really long period of time in 10 months, you know, this many shows. So 
I've been focused on creating content for you all, Nationals fans, Locked On Nationals listeners. That's not going to stop. This is a project that I definitely um, take a lot of pride in. And this is a podcast that was not around beforehand. I picked it up, and now we're 126 episodes in. We have over 15,000 downloads. So uh, I'm really proud, and, and thousands of you listen each month. So I'm really proud of what we built here. I'm going to continue to build it. And just because I'm heading over to Locked On Big 12 as well does not mean that Locked On Nationals is not going to get the same love and attention it deserves. It also means I'm going to bring in some new faces to help me along just so, uh, you know, to freshen things up. And I think it's always good as well too, to, to bring in some people just to, to spark some conversations so it's not just me going on about the Nets. You guys, I, I, you know, from what I can tell, you guys like it when I do it, but also too, we'll bring in some others as well. So uh, that's the first announcement. All right, the rest of what we're going to get to is we're going to talk about Kevin Long today, the Nats re-signing him, and then we'll talk about Juan Soto in our postseason position review for left field. Okay, so we won't spend too long on this, but yesterday it was announced that the Nationals will be bringing back hitting coach Kevin Long. If you guys remember, the Nationals uh, let go Kevin Long, Chip Hale, and Paul Menhart, and... The issue with Kevin Long, who was the hitting coach, was that they could not agree on a contract number to extend him. So from what I'm telling, reading from Federal Baseball, that the split was amicable, and that is coming from Britt Giroli. So what we're thinking here is that uh, Kevin Long was kind of let go and he was able to go and explore his options elsewhere to become a hitting coach. I don't think he found the number that he liked, And so he came back to the Nationals, and he inked a one-year deal, and he will be back with the team. Thinking about this one now in particular, I like this one the most. Because if you look at the numbers the Nationals had, and this coming once again from uh, Federal Baseball, from Patrick Reddington, the Nationals' numbers last year, they hit 264, 336 on base, 433 uh, OPS, or excuse me, uh, 433 slugging. That's 4th, 6th, and 11th amongst all 30 MLB teams. Pretty decent stuff, even though the Nationals uh, did not have a good overall season. Also, when you think, too, Kevin Long, a part of the World Series winning campaign. Davey Martinez has talked about how much he likes Kevin Long's attention to detail. So I think this is a smart move, especially because he's got a familiarity with a majority of the guys who are currently on the roster. He has won with a majority of the guys who are currently on the roster. And this was not the position, I think, that needed the most help. I think we could all agree that it was pitching, but also, too, it wasn't like we said this last week. It wasn't like it was Paul Menhart's fault. So what this brings the staff to right now is that Long is a hitting coach. Jim Hickey was just hired as a pitching coach. Bob Henley, who's been there, is going to coach first base. Henry Blanco is going to the bullpen. Tim Bogar is the bench coach. And Tim Ressler is the assistant hitting coach. The one position that has not been filled yet is is the third base job. So we have a a majority of the staff of the 2021 national staff just for that one final position uh, needing to be filled. So I think in the end, this is smarter because it's not a complete overhaul, right? There are some new looks. There's a little bit of differentiation from last year, but there is some of the same. And I think Kevin Long is kind of the good part of the same. And so I like that they're bringing him back. I think that is a smart move. But Kind of a weird one, right? I mean, I was actually texting Connor Jones last night, and I texted him, and I said, Kevin Long back. 
And I just kind of said, LOL. And he said, that's kind of goofy. And I feel like that's kind of a good way to put it, right? I mean, it's just very odd that you usually don't see somebody kind of look, you know, look to go somewhere else and kind of leave. But because they were on amicable terms, they were able to make it happen and bring Kevin Long back. And I think that's something that's going to be good. I think the players are going to like that one too. I definitely think there's some player input. And, and um, you know, you'd think with something like hitting coach. And uh, that means that Kevin Long is well-liked. And I'm excited to see him back in D.C., next year. All right, we're going to take a break and we come back. We're going to talk about the left field position in our final fielding position of our postseason position reviews. But first, a word from our sponsors. This edition of the Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Built Bar and BuiltBar.com. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And now they've got six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, Cherry Bar Chia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and Apple Almond Crisp. They also have their 12 original flavors. All 12 are chocolate, 6 have nut, 6 do not have nut. Coconut Almond, Raspberry, German Chocolate, Peanut Butter, Banana Bread, Mint Brownie, Salted Caramel, Double Chocolate, Orange, Toffee Almond, Coconut, and Peanut Butter Brownie. Right now, you have a chance to win a free cooler with your purchase, but more importantly, if you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. All right, so this postseason position review is going to be a bit different from the other ones that we've done because we're not going to dig into the numbers too much. I did that on a podcast right when the season ended. I talked about talked about how good Juan Soto's season was and kind of made a case for why he should not be the MVP, but he definitely should be top three in voting. And he won't be because I think he, you know, he played 47 games. And also, too, his counting numbers weren't as good and his team wasn't very good. All these things are not his fault. What I would like to talk about with Juan Soto is the narrative around him before the season. Connor Jones and I talked about this, and you guys know I like to toot my own horn when I'm right, but I was wrong here. Connor Jones nailed this. He said that Juan Soto would be able to pick up the slack, not the slack of Anthony Rendon, but he would be ready to be the guy, something that Juan did not have to do in past seasons. He was always around other players who could, you know, not, you just, you just didn't have to be the guy, right? I mean, you know, with around, especially with Rendon and Zerman, and the way that 2019, uh, where that team just was able to collectively hit, they were very good uh, as a unit. This season, those things fell off a bit. It was just him and Trey. But Juan, by all accounts, was ready to make that leap. Everything with Juan Soto got better, in my opinion. His at-bats were better. He saw more pitches. He swung and missed less. If you took the rate at which Juan is striking out right now per plate appearances and you applied it to the number of plate appearances he had last year, he would strike out just 94 times compared to the 132 he struck out last year. So once again, Juan had 659 plate appearances last year and struck out 132 times. This season... He struck out 29, uh, 28 times, rather, and 196. If you'd applied his strikeout rate per, per plate appearance this season and you applied it to last year, he would strike out 38 times less. If you took his walks per plate appearances this season and applied it to last season's number of plate appearances, he would have walked 139 times. He walked 108 last year, which is pretty good he would have walked 31 more than that. So he was seeing the ball better. The strikeouts were down and the walks were up. 
Juan Soto did everything that we asked him to do. That that those two numbers are typically very good indicators of how somebody is seeing the baseball. And Juan Soto made that leap of becoming a more professional, more well-rounded hitter this season. And that commitment showed throughout all of his numbers. Once again, I'm not going to keep doing the numbers game, but 351 batting, 490 on base, 695 slugging, 1.185 OPS. The numbers would have come down. I mean, we don't know that for sure, but the numbers would have come down a little bit. But the pace he was setting was something that you felt like was somewhat sustainable because people were so afraid of him. Teams were so afraid of Juan Soto in a way that we have not seen in a long time. He is one of the best five hitters in baseball. I feel like that, um, you know, I I made the argument he is the best hitter, but, you know, it kind of can depend on the month sometimes. Juan Soto was everything you want from a superstar player. At his age, you were wondering, could he make the leap? The answer, in my opinion, was yes. I just thought he needed a little bit more time to adjust being in a lineup where he had no Anthony Rendon. And for, I mean, I think long-term it's going to take some, him some time to adjust just with, you know, uh, being able to put up runs, being in, you know, possible scoring opportunities. Cause he was not in a ton of those this season, unless it involved Trey Turner and driving Trey Turner in now. I mean, what you saw him do this year, once you get some help around him, if he can recreate anything like this, I mean, you, you take a little bit of pressure off of him. There's no way his numbers can be much better, but I mean, I think you're going to see him be able to sustain something like this. There was so much pressure on Juan Soto this season with the offense, and he didn't seem to feel any of it. But you'd like them to be able to take some pressure off, so he's not asked to do this if they want to have any chance at winning baseball games at all. Because you know, while their pitching was bad this year, and that was a big reason why, you can't ask Juan Soto to shoulder this much of an offensive load. You can't even ask him and Trey to do it as well, too. They need some other pieces to help them along the way. Because Juan asking him to say, hey, recreate this, do this season over again. There's no way you could ask him to do that again. So what Juan Soto gave them in left field, um, and also he was not the only one who played out there, but every other player who played out there, we've already talked about a little bit. So um, the guys that will back him up, uh, I just think next season, kind of looking forward, um, Andrew Stevenson definitely is going to get some reps out there. Josh Harrison will get reps out there. Those are kind of the two that I'm looking at right off the bat that I think you will see out in left field helping out for the Nationals in the event that, hey, they want to give Juan an off day. Hey, they move Juan to right in some uh, event because they want to get whoever into the game. Hey, they DH Juan one day if he's coming back from injury, which we saw. So, yeah, I mean, they've got some flexibility with that. So they're pretty much set at that position, um, you know, if Juan's not playing. Obviously, they are set with Juan Soto. But looking back at the numbers is not what this is. this one's about. This is about the narrative around Juan Soto and how he just became – uh, you know, a grown ass man at the plate this year. Not saying he wasn't before, but he grew up this year. Like he really did grow up when he was asked to. They said, "Hey, you are the guy in the lineup now." And my doubts were around the fact that this is a 21 year old um, who was very confident, and maybe he'd find himself a situation saying, "Wow, this is this is a bit too much right now. I didn't expect the drop off to be this big in terms of what's around me." No problem for him. No problem. Coming off an injury, he came right in and started tearing the cover off the ball, and he did it all season long, all 47 games, and it was staggering. The one thing he does need to improve upon is his defense, and according to the numbers, he was a net negative. 
I don't really, I mean, I think he's proven throughout full seasons that he is a positive in the outfield, barely like a little bit below average as a left fielder. But in his full seasons, you know, and when he's played, especially in 2019, he was basically an average uh, an average left, left fielder. Like there is no defensive drop-off. This season there was some, and whether it be because of injury stuff or whether it be because the whole defense as a whole was not great, that was one thing. But But I'm kind of of the mind that as their defense improves as a whole next season, kind of everybody's numbers are going to elevate because this season was a bad defensive season. And also, too, I'm willing to give the the COVID pass because the defense we saw everywhere was was bad at times. And uh, that is that's like I think I think it's just part of the nature of this season. So I'm going to hold off on judgment of his defense. But if you're saying, hey, Josh, what is one area where Juan Soto needs to improve? I will tell you, it is the defense. So uh, that is one area I would say Juan Soto needs to improve in. But besides that, man, you know, keep plugging. The big question we're going to answer is, how are they going to protect Soto? And long term, I'd like to see him stay in a certain spot of the lineup just because that means if he's in the same spot, they found consistency. And I'd like the Nationals, for everybody's sake, to find consistency. And I think the one note that is important with that is, once again, wherever they asked Juan Soto to hit this year, he did. And that's another notch on his belt. He deserves to be lauded for that. But let's hope next year they can give him a bit more of a solid spot in the order so they're not asking him and Trey to move around a bunch. So we'll see what they do, but that is the next question, right? How do they protect him? How do they complement him? How do they build the offense around him? I'm excited to see what they do there. All right, so a few notes here at the end. Follow me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors. Follow the podcast at LO underscore Nationals. We want your questions, your comments, your reviews. Make sure you subscribe and download. And also go follow the Locked On Big 12 podcast on Twitter and uh, give me a shout there. I would love if you guys listen to that show if you're college football fans. It's going to be a fun, entertaining show. I do love college football so, so much. So um, we're going we're gonna to get after it. We're going to have some fun. But uh, make sure you guys check out the Locked On MLB podcast as well. And I will be back either Sunday or Monday with the next version of the uh, Locked On Nationals podcast postseason diary number eight. We've got World Series, I believe three World Series games coming up this weekend. So there's a chance the series could be over by the end of the weekend, but uh, I'm assuming it's not going to be. So we'll definitely have more on that after the weekend. All right, everybody stay safe and have a great end of your week.